0: Good afternoon and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We're also available online if you're not in the FM listening area. We stream our audio worldwide to the masses at www. Radio Northland.org. Not only can you listen to this in real time You can listen to it on replay We have all of our wrestling Memories archives Located at our website It'll link you over to our SoundCloud page So you can check out this live Or you can check it out on Memorex Hi, I'm Glenn Brogget Along with noted pro wrestling historian And author and busy, busy man Mr. George Shire And George, last week we had the wonderful James Beard On the program uh, Part of your uh, big major assignment uh, And you have booked another main event last live- lights out guest this week and this one is right in your old wheelhouse this is one of those times where i get to enjoy sitting under the learning tree or under the ring as you put it hey george good
1: morning glenn always glad to be back doing wrestling memories and you're right we have today I'm going to call him a fellow historian and a long-time good friend, and I know everybody listening out there that is an old-school wrestling fan will recognize when I say, "Welcome, Tom Burke, to Wrestling Memories." How are you, buddy?
2: I'm doing very, very well, and I appreciate the time uh, that you're offering me, Glenn and George. It's um, you know, it's uh, Glenn and George like like GG, like Gorgeous George, right? There you go. But, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously I, i'm looking forward to this uh chat we're going to have and hopefully we can uh, share some memories and uh, get some uh, get some things going on how wrestling used to be
1: boy and i tell you what you and i Tom, in private conversations through the years we've talked about how wrestling has changed and how it's not the same as we wish it still could be but on the other hand there are times when I sit back and say, you know, I don't think I'd be having as much fun as I'm having right now, enjoying wrestling every day, doing research, doing uh, looking back and creating memories. So maybe it's good that it changed. But I know, Tom, you go back even farther than I do. You know, you're way older than I am. And I you, you go back a little bit with. Well, I'm 106, so don't worry about it if you're a little bit older, (laughs) but uh, I know you go back a little bit farther, and why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? I know we've got listeners of the new breed, as well as our old school fans, so tell us a little bit about Tom Burke, and then we'll get into our conversation.
2: Okay, well... um... I'm a native of of, uh, Massachusetts. I'm a New Englander. I was born in Springfield, Mass. uh, 71 years ago in 1946 when Truman was president. Thank you, Harry S. And um, my interest in professional wrestling took place when I was uh, 12 years old. Um, And that was through the medium of black and white Zenith television set at my parents' home. And it was on um, a Saturday afternoon. I come back from hanging out with my buddies, turned on the TV, and I heard a voice of Sam Meneker talking on the uh, talking uh in the uh, studio, interviewing a, a wrestler. I can't recall who he was, and I sat down and started watching it, and I was immersed, totally immersed. <laughs> Into the into the show. It was the actually it wasn't big time wrestling that came later. It was that uh, from Boston, the Paul Bowser promotions, and Killer Kowalski, Edward Capantia, Frank Scarpa, Istak Calhoun, the Toes brothers. All these famous guys. Well, make a long story short. I was I was enthralled every every uh, Saturday. i I'd, I'd, I'd watch it. Sunday morning, being the good Catholic boy that I was, we went to Mass, and the enclave of guys that I hung around with would stay outside before Mass would go, and we would talk about the show, because everybody was into it, and it was, sure. it was just phenomenal. Well, years, years later, of course, uh, everybody went their own ways, except myself and two other guys. We continued to watch wrestling, and they finally faded away. But I, I just continued. I got immersed into it. And my Christmas present from my father, and it's appropriate that Father's Day is this coming uh, Sunday, was a ticket to my first live show on December 29, 1959. And on that show, it was the Sheik versus Chief Big Heart in the main event. However, there was a major snowstorm. And there were a lot of cancellations, and a good friend of yours, George, and mine as well, took Chief Big Heart's place, Red Bastine. So who was so who was also on the card? They readjusted the card, but in doing readjusting the card, they brought in a local guy. When I say local, from New England area, to uh, replace someone, and that happened to be Bull Curry. Well, that was in 1959, and when I saw Bull Curry, those eyebrows and his his uh, wrestling style and everything, I was totally immersed. Years later, I would meet Bull Curry in person. I was only a young kid then, of course, and about let's see, that would have been 1959, 1972 or 1973. I met Bull Curry for the first time. A uh, correction, I got a. I mean, I got a memory lapse here. 1965 is when I met Bull Curry at a local there wrestling show here in Springfield. And uh, then I eventually met him again at the WFIA convention in Detroit, which was 73. And when I went to met him, I name dropped. I mentioned an old-time wrestler that I had become friends with, Al Mercer, who wrestled in the 1930s and 40s. And Bo Curry says, you know, Al Mercer? And I said, yes. And I explained to him how I knew him and everything. And we started talking. Well, you used to tell Al Mercer I said hello. And we said, talk, started talking and everything. And, well, one thing went to another. And he says, uh, you know, he, what's your address? And blah, 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 and all this. Where are you from? And I told him and everything. And he gave me his address. And I sent me a Christmas card. And I sent him. And there were telephone calls, et cetera. Well, as years progressed, I ended up driving Bull Curry to the shows that Killer Kowalski ran, and then yeah. I made friends with his son, and now his grandson. His youngest grandson, Nick, who is Kid Curry, is currently wrestling for uh, in the New England area of various independent shows. Who's a 20-year-old kid who uh, has an outstanding amateur background. He won a silver medal. Um, in his weight class two years ago when he was up in uh, Ottawa, Canada. and But the, uh, but the, that whole thing was amazing. And the, you know, I, I remember one time uh, I was at a class reunion and a guy comes up to me and says to me, hey, Burke, are you still doing that wrestling crap? I won't say what he really said. And I looked at him and I said, you know, Bootsy, I said... I just came back from the Killer Kowalski funeral. I I did one of the eulogies. And he looks and I said, and I assume you did the same thing for that hero uh, baseball hero. What was the guy's name? Oh, Ted Williams. And he just looked at me and walked away. And one of the girls comes up to me and says, Hey, Tom, he was a ho, and high school he still is. But, but you know, and when, you grow up and, and you, when you grow up, and you have all these heroes you know, whether they're baseball heroes, wrestling heroes, or whatever in life, and you get a chance to meet them and not casually, but end up forming friendships, it's, it's just a total different realm, you know? And I, I have to say, honestly, that I wouldn't change that in a minute for anything. It, it, it's been a, a truly a, um, a joy in my life. And I, I'm, I, I just think sometimes I wish I could turn the clock back, especially on those road trips with Bull Curry.
1: Mm-hmm. He were
2: really well into the into his career, and and the guys he wrestled, in not in the TV era, but the guys before the TV era, and everything. Right. He wrestled in the '30s and everything. I mean, I I find that a fascinating era, and, and uh, I just wish. That I could turn the clock back and talk to him and Al Mercer, and uh, there, was a, there, was, there was another uh, Teddy Herbert, who was another local guy that I befriended, a, a young high school kid who wrestled in the '40s and everything. But I wish I just could dwell into that more and more. But you know, when you're a young kid, you don't think about that, you know. But you know that that's life, you know. But uh, there, that that was my introduction into into wrestling, basically. And then from that, it spun off. I started doing uh, magazine articles for um, Ring Wrestling Magazine. Uh, Ring, Mag- Ring Wrestling Magazine had what they called agate columns in the back. And I used to do a column called the Wrestling Beat. And this Wrestling Beat was well, yes, a, 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 a rundown of uh, what was going on in wrestling and everything. I, I was I was extremely fortunate in my education that my high school... Was located right near the uh, central library here in Springfield, so every day I would stop by the library, split off from my uh, the people I was, I was with, walked into the newspaper uh, room and looked at all the old uh, all the newspapers from across the country, and I would have my little notebook and jot down all this. And I remember one time I'm at the library, and I'm picking up the the Toronto Globe and Mail, and boom. I'm reading that. And says, beat Buddy Rogers for the, the world championship and WA style. And I went, go, and I, I don't, sh-. And, you know, <laughs> and I was, you know, goes, Shh, sh-. you know? But, but you know, I, it was just yeah. one of those, uh, one of those things, you know, but you know, so that helped, helped me a lot. And then I started writing the, uh, the, um, the column and everything. And then eventually, uh, my other phones ring and the, Let's see. They, they they can they can wait. So, anyways, I'm walking. I'm walking over here. Anyways, the other um, that progressed. And after I graduated from high school, we had um, the draft, and I ended up going in the service voluntarily. I joined up the army for three years, and it was 1969. Uh, 1966 and 69, and through the good graces, I didn't go to Vietnam. I ended up in Germany. And while I was in Germany, uh, through the efforts of uh, a legend in wrestling, and I think you'll agree with me on this, George, Burt Ray, he had put me in contact with a number number of people in England and Germany. Gerhard Schaefer in Germany, uh, Brian Jones in England, and a couple other people. Well, I ended up writing these people. They were very very open, friendly. And it ended up that... uh, I was a 19-year-old kid in September of uh, 1967. I ended up going on my first vacation, you know, uh, alone, per se, because I had all kinds of ideas. I saved up my leave time for the military, and I took a month off to go to England. And I figured that would be the best place to go to because of uh, the language barriers cause I wasn't proficient in, in, uh, in German or anything. So I went to, I went to England and I had hooked up with Ron Farrar, who was a wrestling fan, uh, that was associated with, uh, the Donovan Sam club, which I was a member of through Don Wilson and Ron Farrar. And I became friends. We had a lot in common outside of wrestling, our interests. He had a, a lovely wife, uh, who, uh, Marge, who became a girl wrestler, wrestled, uh, uh Sue Britton and their two daughters. Well, wow. anyways, they invited me to their home and I stayed there. We went to wrestling and that's the first time I met one of the greatest wrestlers of the modern era. As far as I'm concerned, Billy Robinson.
0: And I met yep.
2: him in, um, in, let's see what that would have been Bradford in 1960, 1967. And I uh, met him the following year in Cologne, Germany in 68. And then I renewed my um, uh, association with uh, Billy Robinson a couple times after that, several times after that. And uh, I think the greatest match I've ever seen in my whole life was in Cologne, Germany with Billy Robinson against a Hungarian wrestler, Gideon Gaida. who And they had a superb, I mean, you talk about a match of pure wrestling skill and that was was superb, totally superb. Uh you know, and I had mentioned that to Billy Robinson when I met him at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame when it was located in Amsterdam, New York, when Billy was being inducted. And I said that I said that was one of my favorite matches and he said to me, that was an outstanding match. I always loved wrestling. He didn't use working, he said wrestle, Gideon Geida. So, you know, I was just one of those uh, magic matches. So, anyways, I got to meet all these people and everything, and I ended up, uh, you know, getting more and more involved in wrestling, writing for magazines, for Lou Eskin and uh, from Wrestling Review Magazine, Matt Lou Bay uh, from uh, Ring Wrestling, of course, and others, you know. And uh, I ended up, um, you know, developing friendships throughout the years. Fact, I met. I fact, I just got a letter from Ron Friar yesterday, so, you know, that 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 friendship school wrestling it dates back to the 60s. I mean, you know, we're talking like 50-odd years. You know, it, it's amazing, you know. And, uh, you know, it's like yourself and I, George. We, we go back almost 50 years. You know, and, and people don't understand that. I mean, you know, especially in this instant age of communications and everything, and to sit down and write a letter and everything. And, you know, it, to me, that's... That is a personal touch. It, it, it's part of my being, you know, and uh, I, I, I really enjoy those uh, letters that I used to get, the correspondence, the results, sheets, et cetera, you know. And then after the service, I came home. I yeah. ended up going to uh, uh, my old job because they had to hold your job while you were in the military, and that wasn't going. And my dad had a friend who was a bus driver for Trailways Bus Lines. And he came over to the house. We were talking, and he said, you know to? have you considered um, going into transportation, Tom? And I, I said, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he set up an interview uh, with uh, the people, and uh, the personnel people, and I ended up getting hired by Trailways Bus Lines, but not as a bus driver. Uh, we discussed that, George, earlier, about, about driving itself. But... <laughs> But I ended up uh, becoming a uh, an information clerk um, in their information center, which which was which was located in New York City. So uh, being an adventurous young guy of 21 years, 22 years old at the time. I was ready to go, so I went down to New York and uh, did that job. And I'm in the information center for about three weeks, and I got called into the office, and I said, "What did I do? Did I screw up or something?" And they asked me if I'd like to consider becoming a dispatcher. And I said, I'll give it a shot. Uh, so I ended up becoming a dispatcher. I remember been working as a dispatcher for seven years in New York City at the Port Authority Bus So during that time period, I was in the heart of New York where the wrestling magazines were um, being published. A wrestling review was right across the street from the terminal uh, for, with Lou Eskin's office and Ring Wrestling was down a couple of blocks away, and I went to the Ring Wrestling office one day, uh, Ring Magazine office, and they had, a, they had a little museum there with boxing memorabilia and some wrestling memorabilia, and I was looking around and everything, and I saw, I saw Matt Roubaix, and I introduced myself, and I said, I used to write, you know, a column, and he said, well, would you like to write again? And I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, I, I need someone to do a fan club column, because uh, I think it was Dave Sloan had just left uh, doing it so I picked that up and right. then I started doing the, the column and all this and and then he uh, I, I started doing more articles and, and he says to me one day after about a year he said, he said why don't you come in the office and uh, you know take care of some of this wrestling these correspondence and all that so I finished my job at work as I used to work midnight to 8 I and I'd go have breakfast and a couple th- a couple times, three times a week I'd go to the office at like 9.30, 10 o'clock and, uh, you know, answering letters and file pictures and blah, 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 and all that. So, and then, you know, doing that also enabled me to um, really dwell in, into the history of wrestling as well. And, you know, and also the fact is that it gave me um, the uh, monthly pass to uh, Madison Square Garden as, as press. So I did that, but I, I, I found that even though I had this press pass for MSG and WWF, other events and everything, I felt, always felt cramped because you had there were other people there. There was Frankie Amato with Wrestling World, George Napolitano, Bill Apter, uh, and there was another guy there. I can't think of his name now. But anyways, they, they were all shooting and doing interviews and everything. And I said to myself, you know, I'm not making an, a, a, a dent here. So, I was up in Vermont visiting my family, and I had called uh, the Burlington uh, Auditorium, and because they knew they knew they had wrestling, and I got the name of the promoter. I called the promoter and he invited me up to the show, so I went up to Burlington, Vermont for the, for the for the show, which happened to be Grand Prix Wrestling, which was, uh, as you know, George was uh, owned by the Vashons. Well, the Bashans yep. basically opened the door for me. They were very cordial. Maurice and Paul were so open, blah blah blah. And so the first show I went to up there, Kowalski was on the show. So we were talking and everything, and blah blah blah. And uh, you know, I was doing an interview, and and I kept on going back and forth. I, I luckily with my uh, bus pass. I used to be able to go up to Burlington and up to Montreal free, so there was no trans, and I developed a great friendship with Gilles uh, the Fish Poison, who I I learned later was part owner of the uh, Burlington offer, the Burlington promotion with Ira Blow, the promoter. So I, I used to, when I go up to Montreal, I used to stay with Gilles and his family. So all this trickled down and everything, and. and uh, meeting Tarzan Tyler and Edric Pontier, the Cuban assassins and all these guys. And they appreciated the publicity I was able to get, give them through ring wrestling magazines and big book of wrestling, a couple of the other publications I was writing for. So i I'm like in New York where I think a guy went to New York and there was, it was already in their mindset or oh, they're going to get press through the other outlets and everything. That's fine. But I, I, I catered to those guys outside of uh, that realm of MSG and WWF at the time. And I'm happy I did because I think that that opened up a lot more doors for me and everything, but especially because, you know, a lot of times I wasn't aiming for the big main eventers, but the guys in, in, in the middle of the card or even the prelims. you know, the guy who eventually would become big stars. You know, so, you know, and that, that continued on. And then I was doing a newsletter on my, my global wrestling service newsletter. Uh, and then I expanded on that. I did nostalgia sheets. And even back then I was into the, into old school wrestling. And then I ended up doing uh, a publication called the yellow pages of wrestling, which I just posted on my Facebook page, which was a wrestling guide that I put out in 1977, breaking it down. To every state in the United States, every province in Canada, and in, a, in an array of foreign countries, giving information as to how to contact these the wrestling offices, their schedule and some um, schedules on various promotions, etc., and little odds and ends and everything like you know. Uh, and there were some states that didn't have a wrestling, like Delaware didn't have any wrestling. But Vince McMahon the elder. He's not a he's not a senior, he's the elder, because Vince McMahon is uh, presently is not a junior, he is the second. Uh, uh, Vince McMahon, the elder, had a summer home in Delaware, How Beach, I think it was. So anyway, but you know, little things like that uh, uh, were, were kind of neat. But anyway, then I continued and got involved in wrestling and more and more, and, and of course, Back in the day, we had fan conventions. The WFIA, Wrestling Fans International Association, which I uh, became very uh, involved in uh, in its formation in 1968. He and I was in the service. uh, I communicated in. uh, In 69, I went to the first, my first convention. The first convention was in 68, up in your neck of the woods, Georgia, Mankato, Minnesota. The George, did yes, you go to that was. convention? You no, I you to that no, I oh. did not. No, I did not. Right. And I should have been right. Uh, yeah, you should have been there, George. Well, I made all the WFIA conventions after the uh, the Mankato one. a so uh, correction. I made it all, the, the, all the conventions, to uh, the Birmingham convention, which would have been, I believe, in 85 might have been 84 uh, was the last one I went to because I was banned. My lifetime membership was taken away by by, by the director of the WFYA because I confronted him about some issues. And uh, it was, so I was expelled and, but he <laughs> uh, he did his thing. I did my thing. And, well, they he he ran another convention again up in your neck of the woods, uh, close by. Anyways, was in Wisconsin. I don't know if it was Milwaukee or Madison. Uh, and um, he he did a he did a thing there. And then a young kid, they would have what they would call a ring event, uh, got hurt, and he folded up the uh, the from uh, the association. Then there was another group that that spun off that uh, by John Gallagher was was called United Wrestling Fans Association or something like that, and they they mm-hmm. had a convention. I think they ran two. I'm not sure. One was in Nashville. Uh, I, I I just remember the hotel. the The hotel was horrible. They had the kitchen was closed. It was it was just just unbelievable. But um, Nashville, and I think they they did one of the. I went to the Nashville one. I don't think I did any other one. Uh, so then, you know, and, and then wrestling started changing, you know, the, uh, the Hulk Hogan era came in and I couldn't get into it. And I, I often often thought to myself, had I been 12 years old during that time period and I turned on the TV, I wonder if I would have been drawn to, uh, to the product in such an enthusiastic way as i did in 1958 you know and uh you know that, that's I kind of ponder i ponder that sometimes because it was different i mean you know i mean you this, you know uh i i just i just the, the things that used that, that would uh be done on tv studios i remember mike lewin and don curtis wrestling and this is for paul bowser and uh, they they were wrestling some heels of course and everything. And it, it, it was just amazing. uh, Mr. Moto and, and, uh, Mr. Hito, who was, uh, you know, uh, Kiji Shibuya, uh, were, right. were just an awesome team. I just loved those guys. And I remember they were, they were, they were wrestling on TV, the, the Japanese guys. And they, they, undid, they undid the canvas and rolled, I wrote up one of the guys, that they were wrestling and beat the heck out of them. I mean, it was just just amazing stuff, you know. Or, or Haystack Calhoun coming in and, and and wrestling his manager, Judo Jack Terry, and some other guy in a handicap match. You know, I mean, just just great stuff. And of course, when you're a twelve year old kid, you know, you know this. Hey, this is real, man. You know, you know, we your steak and everything. But you know, hey, I'll take it, I'll take that bakery over anything in the world that's being produced today. Believe me, you know. But we uh, that, you know. Well, I'm getting off track here. And then, you know, I on my left New York in '76, and I came home. for due to a job transfer with with the same company, I started getting involved in the local wrestling promotions and everything, and in, the, in uh, the, on the independent scene back in the '70s, and I continue to do that today, uh, even though it's a um, it's a different world. The, the the guys that are wrestling today uh, um, are just like carbon copies or try to be carbon copies of what they see on TV. There's there's not that originality, and you know there's very little uh, mat wrestling at all in any promotion today. You know, and, right. which is sad. You know, which is very sad. But uh, that uh, you know, and I, I continue and I do I do my Facebook pages. I, I try to post every day. A nostalgia thing, and uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm currently <clears throat> having in the back of my mind a project which I, I hope to put on Facebook after the first of the year, which is going to be uh, Pioneer Valley Wrestling History. The area of Massachusetts I live in is called Pioneer Valley, and it's a large area extending from the border of Connecticut in western Mass., to the border of Vermont, uh, the state uh, line of, in in Vermont, so I'm I'm going to try to start doing a history of that. I have all kinds of figures, all kinds of stats, etc. And I think that'll be uh, a fun project, you know. And it, it'll go from uh, the um, the the 1900s right up to the present. The present might be interesting because of of all the hust. Uh, uh, host- hostile environment that is at the present time between two rival groups. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I'm going to discuss the, um, the, the, the the Springfield School job uh, with Joe Stretcher mm-hmm. and John Orn, uh, which uh, developed into a split-of-the-world championship uh, back in uh, 19, 1909, and, you know, it's all, all this stuff is inter- to me is interesting. So I'm going to follow through on that, about the wrestling wars that took place here in Springfield. And the, um, there was also an incident back in the 50s where a guy was promoting under the name for a well-known charity at the time. It was not a polio Fund. But it was something similar to that. And it ended up being a work. And uh, we almost lost wrestling here in Springfield. So, uh, but you know, uh, it, it's what it is, and I'm looking. You know, I'm looking forward to this little project here and everything. And you know, my enthusiasm over the years has had me collect things like yourself, George, programs and photographs, etc. And I have an ex- extensive collection. And I think the greatest compliment I ever had was when. And, uh, you know, we, I, I, I co-hosted, uh, w- with Charlie Ross, the Cauliflower Alley, um, reunion here in 1989, uh, in Springfield and Char- Charlie Ross did the, the boxing people and I did the wrestling people. And, uh, during a break for the session, I had some of the guys come over to my house, uh, uh, Red Bastine was one of them and Carl von Hess was the other along with a couple others, Mula and uh, when Paul when Red Bastine walked into my office, he says, Oh crap, this looks like Paul Bosch's office which was probably the greatest compliment <laughs> I wouldn't have. that out. You know? Uh, so but, right. you know you know and you know and, and because because my involvement of of uh, wrestling I was, I was at that time, sponsored to be a member of the Cauliflower Alley Club. And this would have been in the late 70s. So I joined the Cauliflower Alley Club. And later, uh, about 10 years later, I ended up starting going to the reunions and everything. And today, as sort of CAC is now an open membership. But during that time period, you had to be sponsored. And they right. were... Uh, they, it was based out of California, and you, you had many old timers that lived in California, and were, and other people would travel in. And it was, it was just, just just an amazing thing that happened, and you know, again, you're meeting your heroes and heroines that you only would see on TV and never got a chance to meet. You know, it, it was it was just joy. Uh, I haven't been to CAC in in several years, even though I'm contemplating going next year if things work out at my end logistically, because there's also uh, a situation with the CAC. The time frame is just a few weeks before the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, which is located in Wichita Falls, Texas. You know, just a few weeks later. uh, Years ago if that had taken place because it was always like in March or or, or, usually in March, but now it's like in late April and and the hall of fame is in May. If had the hall of fame not moved to Texas, it would not have been a, a, a struggle, shall I say, because it was only, it was less than two hours away from my house with all green lights. Today, you know, it's like an eight-hour journey when you fly out even 12 hours with all the changes and the hassles at the airport going to Wichita Falls, Texas. But I I can say this with a clear conscience that the move from New York to Wichita Falls, Texas was a plus for the Hall of Fame. And I'm saying that only because the Amsterdam venue was restricted in space. Also, the fact is the community, the political leaders were, were not behind the effort of the founder and the visionary of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, Tony Villano. So Tony realized, you know, things are changing, blah, blah, blah. So he transferred the hall and everything in leadership to Johnny Mantel, who volunteered to take it over. Johnny Mantel has the total cooperation of the city officials in Wichita Falls, Texas. He has a backing of a university as well as anything in Texas is big, and the the building that they're using is it's, it's in downtown Wichita Falls, called the Big Blue. It's a huge space. It's it's something to have the sport being honored in that sense. Uh, the displays are are phenomenal. This the the new displays which I had not seen till this year which had been in storage, again, because of the New York situation, just of lack of space, are now up. So it's phenomenal. It's, it's, a, it's a mecca for wrestling fans. It really is. And Luchatau Falls itself is uh, not as oppressing, I'm going to use that word in quotes, as up, the, the Amsterdam, New York uh, City. Uh, there's a lot more activity, and they have uh, a new blood in Wichita Falls, Texas, which again was lacking in the city of Amsterdam, New York. Sad to say, you know, it was the uh, Amsterdam was the uh, rug making capital of the United of the world at one time, but through uh, various uh, financial stuff and the way life changes and everything, it. It it went down, and sad to say, uh, the uh, the Hall of Fame, um, even though it was a spark there, it was never grasped by by the city officials. Tony Verlano, I know, tried to even get a sign on the highway, asking, you know, you know, Hall of Fame, this the wrestling Hall of Fame, this exit, blah blah blah, and they wouldn't even do that, you know. So it was a losing battle, sad to say, you know. But uh, Johnny Mantell. Uh, has that support and you cannot have a a venue like the Hall of Fame, whether it's wrestling, volleyball, basketball, or whatever, without the support of the city fathers and the government leaders. Because if you do, it's, it's a no-win situation. And, uh, you know, as long as they don't post my address on the interstate, i will be all right. So I, I won't get these people knocking at my door. But... Uh, in the long run, it, 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 it's, a venue, it's a venue that has become a heartthrob in Texas, in Wichita Falls, Texas. And I'm really looking forward to next year. I'm, I'm hoping to uh, go there. I, I, I always, whenever I go to these places, even if it was the convention, I always try to get like a day in earlier or maybe a day, a day after I'll stay just to take in the sights and everything because I like to, I, I don't like to, uh, now that I'm retired, I can do that a lot more freely. I don't like to uh, just focus on one specific thing, uh, namely the wrestling thing, which is the main factor, but I also like to dwell into my other interests as well. But so that, that's, where, that's where I am on, uh, on my wrestling thing for, uh, you know, where I am today. You know, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward, as I said, to seeing you, George, again, that probably CAC this coming year or uh, definitely a pro wrestling hall of fame. And Glenn, I hope that you'll be able to make a trip there at some point in time as well.
0: Oh, I'd love to get down there, uh, out down the Wichita Falls. I, I've been out to CAC only once. I, I need to get out there again. But uh, from what uh, I've heard from George and what I've heard from John Mantel and from the pictures I've seen, was well, such a, a nice mm-hmm. venue down there. And, and what a great location, too, to, to be in the city of Wichita Falls. And uh, just the dedication of both the, the the city itself and and with the, the people people from the, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I mean, man, it's a win-win combination. And I hope more eyes get to that place. Uh, place down there and i hope more uh people uh, are generous with uh whether it be memorabilia or contributions uh, in other ways to to the museum just a wonderful place
1: you know well, Glenn, i, I want to would... tell you something i want to tell you something glenn i was afraid tom burke wasn't going to have anything to say and the man has filled up 41 minutes i've loved it i've absolutely <laughs> loved well... it tom you you uh it is so interesting because everything you said with the exception of your employment and your, your time serving our country, um, you have echoed almost verbatim my life. And it was like, I was listening to someone tell me about me. And it's interesting that you started on a Zenith TV and you, you turned it on on a Saturday afternoon and, and uh, the WFIA reunions where, where we picked up all these friendships that have lasted for literally decades. You know, we all come across people in school and in work and in life and even in family that we don't stay in touch with, that we lose touch with. But wrestling friends, I tell you what, they're, they're friends for life, it's something I can't explain to uh, to people that don't get it. And uh, these reunions that we've went to, and like you just talked about, the Great Museum in, in uh, Wichita Falls, you walk in there and you just your jaw drops and you go, "Wow!" And there's so many stories, so many memories, and every story leads to another story and uh you you've just really filled it out and and your writing career uh i, I tell fans tom and i i'm going to let you elaborate on this but i tell fans all the time i say you know our modern era with the internet and people can google anything they want but we had an internet for wrestling back in our day with the fan club bulletins and the wfia and the program exchanges and and the, the traveling that we did to the territories. And people just stare at me with a wide look like they just don't get it.
2: Oh, George, I know exactly what you mean. I uh, People today, they, they, they don't understand that. They really don't. I remember I was in, a, in the dressing room of a local group here uh, some years ago, and one of the young guys, and I'm like, you know, most of these people are younger. I'm 71. And I might have been about 69 at the time. And, you know, and one of the young kids says "And you know, probably in his tw- early 20s, says, Tom, could any of us get booked in the old territories? And I looked around the room and I said, you know something? Everyone in this room here could get booked by Nick Goulas without a pro- problem. And there, uh, <laughs> there happened to, happen to be an old time. I don't know if you remember this name, Ricky Sexton. And yes they do bursted, yes he bursted out laughing you know yeah. but but you know and, and, you know I'm happy somebody got the joke you know but you know but it's funny you know I know you know but you know it's just a different realm it really is you know I mean I'm I've been I've been extremely blessed and I say that in, in being accepted in, in, into the into the wrestling fraternity when it was an at at a time period where it was a uh, there was a wall and not built by Trump yep. either, but this this wall was it was a situation where you had to be invited to walk through that door because if if that well, was, hard, place, to yeah, it, it was, it was hard to get in, it was was hard to get in. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and you know, but I, it's I, interesting. I, I,
1: it, it is. I was going to say, it's interesting, interesting that when you were invited in, then you were in and they accepted you. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly. something, that's something, you know, like you had mentioned, Tom, meeting heroes. And here's the fun part too, is when you had a chance to meet these heroes and they turned out to be good people and they, they didn't have all kinds of, yeah, I mean, we're not saying they were angels in life. We're just saying that they were good people. And they—they they, uh, y- you didn't have to find any scandalous reports about them, and they, they weren't doing evil things. and they, they were just good people that were going to work every night and putting on a card for uh, matches for the fans. And it was so much fun. And I, I was telling a friend just, oh, I don't know, it was about a week and a half ago we were talking and. He's a little bit younger with me uh, than me, about 10 years. And I told him, I said, you know, we used to travel to different territories. He said, well, what's a territory? So I had to explain to him how wrestling was promoted differently in different parts of the country. And there were different wrestling offices that uh, put on the cards. And, and I said, you know, we didn't just turn on TV on Monday night like they do today and have one show. And that's it, kids. That's what you get. Uh, We we could go to any other territory and see a whole different crew of guys. And sometimes you'd see old favorites that you saw in your own territory at another time. Uh, You mentioned Tarzan Tyler and Killer Kowalski. You know, when I first saw those guys, it was so much fun. And I didn't see them in the AWA. I had a chance to see them on the road. And people just don't get it
2: they they don't you know i getting getting back to my to my youth i, I was extremely fortunate uh, in, uh, growing up in the northeast here with the access of various tv stations we we, we had i used to be able to uh, a, a diet of wrestling on a, uh, uh, during the week uh, on a snowy tv We'd have wrestling from Washington, D.C. on Thursday night. out of, It was out of the Bridgeport station. Uh, New Haven would have uh, wrestling from um, uh, the Bulk S's promotions, but he would try to get into syndication uh, out of Indianapolis. The Buffalo tapes were from uh, on uh, Pedro Martinez's promotion that was on Saturday night at 11 o'clock. And then when I went to go up to Vermont, and spend the summers up there with my uh, my grandmother and grandfather, uh, they used to get wrestling from Texas, and they used to get wrestling from Montreal. So I had a complete diet uh, of, of different wrestling promotions and different talent. You know, I, it, it was a situation where I wouldn't change for anything. Believe me.
1: Well, and you had mentioned, too, a minute ago that, uh, you know, if you were to become a 12-year-old kid again today and, and have the product that's out there, would you become as attracted to it and, and and drawn to it as you were back then? I ask that same question all the time, and I can tell you the answer. I wouldn't watch it. I wouldn't become as as avid a fan because it is so I, different.
2: I, yeah, I would probably watch it and get enthused to a degree, but it would have been like my, my, my peers. When I was a young kid, it would die off.
1: Right. Right.
2: You know, well, and wasn't it you know.
1: interesting in those days when, when we first started watching wrestling, and I started watching in 1959, and I started going to the matches in the early 60s, and it was going to school during those years, and if you had friends at school that they either liked it or they didn't, and if they didn't like it, they rode you. You know, you watch that fake stuff. Come on, Shire. You know, and if they liked it, you were okay. But they, they were small in numbers, those that you could share your interest with. And so I went through school pretty much keeping that I liked wrestling and watched wrestling and collected wrestling to myself because it was better that way.
2: Yeah, same here. Exactly same here. And I, I, I got a, I got a little story to share with you on that. Uh, it was in i stop anyway. It was in January 1966, a month before I went in the army. Uh, we yeah. had a local wrestling show, uh, Tony Santos Promotions out of Boston, and the right. main event was gorgeous, gorgeous George Allen against Victor the Wrestling Bear. When oh I went to that show. And After that show, there was I, I. There was a kid there, young guy, who I went to high school with, uh, uh, Joey Koslick. So we start talking and all that and blah blah blah. So off, off I go to the army, and you know I I don't see Joey again till my fiftieth high school reunion. I walk oh, and he walks boy. in the room. He sees me. And I looked at, I looked at him. Gets, I, they tell me I haven't changed them. I'm a little gray, though, a little heavier. And he looks at me and says, Tom, do you remember when we saw each other last? I said, Yes, the Rialto Skating League. And then he says, Yes, Gorgeous George against the Bear.
1: Yep. There you go.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, but isn't that, you know, I just looked to Joe the other day. We get together, a group of us from high school get together once, uh, almost once every other month. Uh, for coffee and chats we're doing one together this month. Well you know, it's just it's just one of those things, you know, I mean and I think George will agree with this and Glenn and you maybe even uh, understand this as well. If you mention wrestling to anyone, they will have a story about it. Maybe uh, not directly about every day fans, oh, for but, sure. But, but somebody in the in their family, their grandma or blah yep. blah blah. You know it mm-hmm. it uh it's just a, uh, It's just part of Americana, you know. And, and, and you know, I've also said professional wrestling is the most misunderstood sport in the, in the United States. You know, they they, they they look at the trappings, they look at the the predetermination and all that. But these guys are out there. They're slugging away. They're on the road, etc. You know, and they they're doing their job you know, and and with great athletic ability, many of them, you know. Right. You know, uh, there are exceptions to the rule. We won't mention any names, but, you know, but even there, even those guys are part of the show.
1: Yeah. Well, and and you had mentioned, too, about when uh, different fans, you know, they lost interest in wrestling. They maybe followed it for a short time. I learned through the years, Tom, that a lot of these fans, yeah, they watched it for six months or a year and then life happened to them and they went on their way and they never went back to it. And then there's crazy people like you and I in a small select group that never ever went away from it. And I think I could say, that I could say this for you as well as me, whenever life has been tough, whenever the world has been weighing on my shoulders, be it work, be it family, be it just situations, wrestling has always been the fallback i can go and pull out some research or or look at some programs or or just watch a tape or do anything or just sit back and think of great wrestling memories and the world comes back in sync and everything works itself out that to me is a great great drug
2: absolutely i agree with you a thousand percent and you know it's uh like you had just said that the um, the hustle of life every day comes and goes and that sometimes you need an escape and for me it's wrestling and you know yep. I can get excited I can, I can get excited looking at old research or something that I, I missed the first time I read it or something and It sparks an interest as to, gee, I didn't know that. I didn't know this guy was here, you know, at the time or whatever, you know. And it's definitely uh, an awesome thing. It really is.
1: What's interesting now is that because, you know, my wife asked me this the other day. She says, did you ever think 50 years ago that you would have all this wrestling memorabilia and and files and everything? (laughs) And I said, no, I never thought about it. Never once did I ever think that just happened one program or one photo or one newspaper clipping at a time. and But I I know what you mean, because I can go to a file cabinet, I can pull something out and go, wow, I don't remember this. This is great. Look at this. And I find a new result. And I loved when you said you used to go to the libraries, because I can't tell you how many hours of my life I spent in libraries back in the day. It wasn't like the day where you Google it on the internet. Back when you went to the library and I would dig out a newspaper from some town I didn't even know existed, and there's a wrestling result. And it's like oh, finding yeah. gold. I loved it. And yeah, I still it, love it today. It, yeah,
2: I, 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 I try to go to a library once a week and utilize the microfilm uh, service they have for uh, the newspapers, you know, lo- the local newspapers. You know, right, and, right. you know, you, you, can, you can find great stuff on that and everything. And sometimes I get, I get distracted from wrestling. I'll start reading other stuff, you know. But, but it's interesting. It really is, you know. But, you know. But and of course, when you mention
1: microfilm, yeah. when you mention microfilm, you get a glazed-over look, too, from people because the, the new generation. And this is no fault of theirs. I mean, this is the generation they're living in. But they have no idea what you're talking about. And we're like dinosaurs oh. talking to them.
2: Well, let me tell you, I went up to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst uh, a couple of years ago, to because they have an assortment of newspapers from all over the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So I was going to go up there and you know uh, dig out some other other local news that we don't have down here. Well, they have all these contraptions. It's not like the old-fashioned microfilm machine, and you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to. Uh, to be honest, with it was a pain in the butt. I got so de- I got so pissed. If I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not that computer living it. I, I, I said, I, I got made a couple of copies and that was it. I, I haven't been back, you know? And, and, right. and it kind of bugs me that I have gotten into that mode that I should, you know, pay Bert, lace up your boots and get, get, get with the program, you know? But it's just, it's just, a, it, to me it was a hassle, you know? you know, And uh, I don't think the staff was overly helpful either. Uh, you know you know uh you know young people, you know it's just like when I went yeah. to the cafeteria and after, and uh, I gave the girl a two dollar bill for whatever I was getting, and she had to call the supervisor over to find if it was
0: real, you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well guys it, 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 look- know, I mean, it it's just one of those things, you know. Well, guys, it looks like we're getting close to the top of the hour, which means, uh, boy, what a fast-moving hour it has been on wrestling memories with Tom Burke, and boy, we—I think we merely just uh, scratched the sur- tip the, the surface here, George uh, and Tom.
1: I'm, I'm glad you finally agreed to come on with us. I bugged you a few times, and it did not just have to make the schedule work. But you are welcome to come back on, and we can talk more. And I really applaud you, and I appreciate you for what you do for wrestling. And keep doing it, buddy, and you'll live, you'll live another 50 years. It's just its longevity. And God bless I you, and so. uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, God bless. Take care, guys. All right. Thank you, thank you for having me on. Thank bye you.
0: Bye. It was an honor. And for Tom Burke and co-host George Shire, this has been Wrestling Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM.